John chapter 16, verses 16 to 32. Jesus went on to say, in a little while, you will see me no more. And then after a little while, you will see me. At this, some of his disciples said to one another, what does he mean by saying, in a little while, you will see me no more. And then after a little while, you will see me. And because I am going to the Father, they kept asking, what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he is saying. Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this. And so he said to them, are you asking one another what I meant when I said, in a little while, you will see me no more. And then after a little while, you will see me. Very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you, now is your time of grief, for I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Though I have been speaking figuratively, a time is coming when I will no longer use this kind of language, but will tell you plainly about my father. In that day, you will ask in my name. I am not saying that I will ask the father on your behalf. No, the father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and entered the world. Now I am leaving the world and going back to the Father. Then Jesus' disciples said, Now you are speaking clearly and without figures of speech. Now we can see that you know all things and that you do not even need to have anyone ask you questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. Do you now believe? Jesus replied. A time is coming, in fact, and in fact has come when you will be scattered each to your own home. You will leave me all alone, yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. Hi everyone, and welcome. My name is Michael, and I'm the pastor here at Chapel Hill. And we're very glad that you can join us on a special Sunday, Easter Sunday. Uh, In the lead up to Easter, we've been studying Jesus' departing words to his disciples on a very crucial, intense night before his death, which we find in the Gospel of John, chapters 14 to 16. And it's in these chapters that we listen in on Jesus' personal and most important conversation with his disciples in this very dramatic and intimate setting. Jesus tells his disciples that he will die the very next day. So you can imagine the intensity and the drama on that night where he'll be crucified on the cross the very next day. And so Jesus on that night is teaching and preparing the disciples for that gruesome and horrible reality. And now we come to the end of chapter 16, which is Jesus' final teaching to his disciples before he prays for them. And he tells his disciples that when he dies, they will deeply be in grief. But he promises to them that their grief 
will turn to joy. He doesn't say that they may have joy. He says they will have joy. Jesus is saying that if you're a Christian, joy is an inevitable mark in your life. Joy will eventually take you over. And so if you're lacking joy, perhaps, in your life today, this week, this month, this year, Jesus is saying to you to come to him and you'll find joy in him that will inevitably swallow up all of your sorrows. All of your sorrows that you might be going through in life right at this moment. The big question is how? Well, let's listen in on Jesus explain how Christian joy works. And he starts with the riddle, then with the parable, and then finally he teaches in plain speech. This is classic Jesus. A riddle, parable, and plain speech. We get it all here in, in this passage. So firstly, the riddle about his timing. And the riddle is at verse 16. So if you go to verse 16, he says, Jesus went on to say, the riddle, in a little while you will see me no more, then after a little while you will see me. The disciples were stumped with this riddle. They didn't understand what he meant when he said a little while. What are you talking about, Jesus? What do you mean a little while you won't see me and a little while you'll see me again? See, the disciples at this point could not comprehend the idea of Jesus as God's Messiah, God's King and Saviour, would for a time die and be away from his disciples. Nor could they comprehend that there would be a time when Jesus would be resurrected from the dead and see his disciples again. They could not comprehend this because they were anticipating that the Messiah would save his people from political and earthly oppression. They saw Jesus as a Messiah who would be more like a political leader or a military leader who would lead his people from earthly oppression. So first of all, it was incomprehensible for them to consider Jesus dying before he brought about any kind of political or military victory. Because they thought Jesus was just getting started. And so they would have thought that if Jesus died at that moment, the very next day, they would have thought, God's plan for salvation would have been an absolute failure. But to also think that Jesus would somehow die, then rise again, that was just a brain explosion. It was kind of unheard of for them. And for us, every time we come around to Easter, we might feel the same way as the disciples. We might say, look, I kind of understand that our calendar is marked by Easter and Christmas, and Easter is about his death and resurrection. But we might be going, well, what's the big deal about that? What does it actually mean? And more importantly, how does it bear on my life? Jesus goes on to explain the significance of his death and a resurrection through now a parable. We find in verse 20, he says, Very truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of the joy that a child is born into the world. See, the parable is about childbirth. And I think the point that he's trying to make to the disciples is that joy cannot come without first feeling grief. For Jesus, joy cannot come without first feeling grief. Just like 
a mother's joy of the birth of her child cannot come without first feeling the intense pain of labor. But when you have that bub in your arms and you are filled with joy holding a new life, that joy overwhelms and overshadows the intense pain and anguish of labor. And so likewise, the disciples will grieve over Jesus' death with intense pain. They love Jesus and Jesus has loved them. They would intensely grieve over the death of Jesus, but their grief will be short-lived, for Jesus will be raised to newness of life. And the joy of the resurrected Jesus will overwhelm, will overshadow the grief and the anguish of Jesus' death. Jesus says in verse 22, So with you now is your time of grief, but I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. Disciples will have joy in Jesus. Not may have, but will have joy because Jesus is indestructible. He has overcome death itself. We can never have everlasting joy and happiness when we place our joy and happiness in the things of this world. Frustratingly, when we put our place of joy and happiness in our holidays that's coming up perhaps tomorrow or in our experiences It's frustrating because it's only a long weekend. It's only fleeting. After the Easter and Anzac Day long weekend, we're all going to have to go back to work, don't we? So we can earn more and earn more leave. Disappointingly, when we place all of our joy and happiness in our work, as you know, there are tough people and tough projects that just make job satisfaction less than perfect. And sadly, when we place all of our joy and happiness in our relationships, well, we know that good friends are sometimes seasonal. Good friends come and go, and loved ones will pass through sickness and of age. But having joy in the risen Jesus transcends all circumstances, work situations, and relationships. And nothing and no one can take away this joy from you because he has overcome all the things that threaten our joy and happiness. He's overcome failure. He's overcome evil. He's overcome sickness and death. This is the certainty and the continuity of Christian joy because of the certainty and the continuity of Jesus' resurrected life. And this Christian joy doesn't avoid or deny the real pain and sorrows in your life, in your work, and in your relationships. Christian joy in Jesus doesn't make you deny or run away from the pain and suffering that you're really facing. Instead, it actually helps you get through it. Because Christians accept that pain and sorrow precedes and coexists with joy. Christian joy is a joy that overshadows and overwhelms pain and suffering, not eliminated. Christian joy is not positive thinking that is out of touch of reality. No, Christian joy embraces reality as ugly as it might be. But it understands that this reality is not the end. This ugly reality is going to be short-lived. There's a certain joyful end to this because Jesus has been through it and he's come out the end with a joyful everlasting end. See a Christian experience joy not because 
their painful circumstances have been eliminated, but because of the everlasting joy in Christ has overshadowed and overwhelms their painful circumstances. Just as a mother who has given birth, it's not that all of a sudden, when they've got the baby in their arms, all of a sudden the pain of bleeding, cutting, bruising, exerting, all of a sudden stops. No, 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 that, that pain definitely continues from days on end. But the joy of the new life overshadows, it overwhelms the pain so that joy and pain coexists. I mean, literally in the Greek, it reads, she remembers her pain no more. Notice it doesn't say that her pain is gone, but she remembers her pain no more. It means that she doesn't let her pain define her nor consume her. Instead, she is now defined and consumed by joy. What makes a Christian joyful is not the absence of pain, but rather you have something that overshadows and enables you to overcome the pain. Not only does Jesus' resurrection give you a joy that overcomes the suffering and the real pain that you experience, Jesus' resurrection opens up a new way to pray to the Father God in Jesus' name. Look with me in verse 23. Jesus says, In that day you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Jesus was resurrected and he ascended to heaven to be with his Father. Disciples can now have an intimacy with God through direct prayer to God the Father. See, the lack of direct physical connection with Jesus is now replaced with a direct spiritual connection with God the Father himself. Rather than Jesus talking to disciples about the Father, disciples can now come freely to the Father directly in prayer. See, Jesus' death and resurrection opens up a new way for us to come to God directly in prayer who loves us and accepts us because of Jesus. And this is the completion of Christian joy, a joy that enables you to overcome pain and suffering as you walk intimately in prayer with God, knowing that God will always love you and he will never leave you, no matter how tough things are in life. You have a joy that will help you overcome that situation and God intimately walks beside you and he can talk to you in prayer. This is the joy that Jesus Christ offers you. A joy that does not deny pain, a joy where God the sovereign creator loves you. And Jesus finally now reinforces his point about the unique joy that he offers by finally speaking plainly to his disciples. Jesus says in verse 32, a time is coming, the time when the disciples won't see him, the time of grief, a time is coming and in fact has come, it's gonna happen tomorrow, when you will be scattered each to your own home. You will leave me all alone, but my father is with me. He tells them plainly now and directly, he says, look guys, you're going to abandon me when I get arrested, when I get crucified, and when I die. I'm going to tell you the truth straight up, you're all going to abandon me. 
Verse 33, but I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus is saying, look, I know you're going to abandon me, but I'm telling you this riddle and I'm telling you this parable so that you might understand that joy will come after the grief. You will overcome your pain and sorrow. You will face troubles. People will persecute you, but take heart. I have overcome evil and death. Your experience of trouble and suffering can coexist with overwhelming joy if you continue to place your faith in me. You will have troubles, but you will have joy. How has Jesus overcome evil and death to give his disciples an overwhelming joy in the face of troubles? When Jesus tells us about the woman giving birth, he's also telling us about his death. The woman in labor is in incredible pain. Why? Because it says in verse 21, because her hour has come. The hour has come. If you experience uh, helping our spouse through labor, it's a long wait, but then there's this hour where it all comes and the pain just comes fl flushing in and it's so intense and the pain is terrible at that point, that hour, but after that hour when the baby is born, she remembers her pain no more. <clears throat> when we read further in the Gospel of John, you just got to flip a few more pages. When we read about the next day, we read that the hour had come for Jesus too. It was the sixth hour. The darkness took over and Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? At that hour, Jesus experienced the most incredible pain. It was at that hour Jesus endured the labor pains at that most intense climatic moment, a pain far greater than any woman who has ever enjoyed, endured because it wasn't just physical, but it was also emotional. Because you see, the only way for a mother to give life, a joyful life, she has to take away her joy at that moment, at that hour. Jesus Christ gave away his own joy to bring joy to you and I. And after the labor pain, the woman remembers her pain no more. But after Jesus' pain and through his death, the Bible tells us that after his death, God remembers our sin no more. How incredible was that? After the hour, God says, I remember your sin no more. And it, what does that mean? Well, it doesn't mean that Jesus denies our sin, treating us like we've never sinned before. No, 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 no. It's not denial of our sin, but he remembers it no more. He doesn't let our sin define us. He doesn't let it consume us. At the death of Jesus, Jesus forgives our sin and he remembers it no more. So we're no longer def defined by our past. We're no longer defined by our greatest mistakes and failures, but we're now defined, consumed by the new resurrection life and joy 
because Jesus gives us that by his resurrection. Jesus overcomes evil by dying for all of our evil and he overcomes death by his resurrection to give us the joy of the newness of everlasting life. If you're here today and your heart is troubled, Jesus is saying to you, take heart, take heart, I have overcome the world. Come to Jesus in faith and God will remember your sin no more and he will offer you a joy that will help you overcome your pain and your trouble and know that he will always be by your side. There's nothing more terrible that you have done that God will not forgive and he will never abandon you in Jesus. Please join me in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that through Jesus we can come directly to you in prayer. And as we pray, we thank you that death could not hold down Jesus. We thank you that Jesus rose to life so that we might be raised to everlasting life. Help us to place our faith and joy in Jesus to experience a fresh start as you remember our sins no more and experience an unshakable joy that helps us overcome the pain, the hurt, the troubles that will no longer define us and will no longer consume us. Help us to take heart in Jesus and be free to feel an overwhelming joy to deal with our troubles with a supernatural peace in our souls. For Christ is risen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.